Hello and welcome to this Endo Life. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an Endo Warrior and Endo Health Coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is here for educational purposes only. Please consult your medical practitioner before making any nutritional changes or bringing in any supplements. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's (laughs) the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them i don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk, And you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. Today's episode is one I've been mulling over for a while. The situation between Israel and Palestine has divided the world. And I didn't want want to add my voice to just basically add another voice into the chaos, right? I wanted to do something that felt useful and relevant. And so today's episode is part of that and kind of part of that process of thinking it through. So today I want to talk about ways to manage a humanitarian crisis when you're already suffering so much with endo and your own health. I know from personal experience how challenging and overwhelming it is to be dealing with very real health problems in your own life whilst the world feels like it's burning around you. You want to take action, you feel pressure to speak up maybe, and yet you can barely think straight due to your symptoms. It's a really hard place to be in and it can cause a lot of inner conflict and negative feelings about yourself because we get frustrated that we're not doing more or not being more vocal, etc, etc. So in this episode, I'm trying to share ways that may help you hold space for both and care for your health whilst also doing what you can, if you want to, and you're able to, for those affected by the Palestine and Israel conflict. My hope is that this small contribution may give you the tools and resources to take your own action whilst looking after yourself, if, you know, if action is what you choose to do. And so whilst I can't directly help those in need, other than, you know, the obvious things like donating, by helping even just a handful of you, I'm hoping that there will be a little bit of a butterfly effect and that this pretty unknown podcast can make a small difference. Before I begin, I also want to acknowledge my limitations here. I am not an expert on war or this particular conflict by 
any stretch of the imagination. I'm not a reliable source on the war or a person who holds any weight or authority in terms of my views on the war or my perspective. There are far, far more educated, experienced and skilled people who you should be getting your information from. What I can do today is offer some insights about how to look after your health during a time of crisis based on my education as a health coach, as someone who has worked with vulnerable people and as someone who has gone through my own experiences with these kind of issues. And as someone who has gone through my own experiences with these kind of issues. If there is anything, blah, blah, blah. If there is anything you don't agree with in this episode that offends you or you think is incorrect, I really apologize. And I encourage you not to take my word as, as gospel because I do not think it is. I'm just one person doing what I can with the skills I have. All right, now that's clear, let's get started. Okay, so the first strategy I want to address is to prioritize your basic needs. So sleep, some degree of rest, food, water. These are all obvious things, but they are some of the first things to go when we're anxious or stressed or fearful. We lose sleep to insomnia and being hooked on the news or social media. We skip meals because our stomachs are in knots or we're so consumed by the thing that is causing us distress that we forget to eat or make unhealthier choices around food because we're seeking comfort. We stop making an effort to stay hydrated and maybe go back to our old ways of getting by on too much caffeine. Does this sound familiar? For some of you, this might not be an issue, but I know many of you listening can relate to this. And in fact, I had a friend just last week who messaged me because she was stuck in a spiral about Gaza and she was going through a lot mentally and physically already. And she got entirely consumed for a week and was just skipping meals, forgetting her medication, drinking lots of stimulants, etc., and just scrolling and scrolling and panicking and spiraling. And by the end of it, her health and her mental health were really deteriorating. And she'd been working so hard to get to a good place with both of them. And I think that there's also this temptation when something bad is happening in the world to deprioritize ourselves because there's almost that feeling of who am I to get good sleep or to stay hydrated when other people are barely able to get clean water and sleep hasn't been an option for them. I know I thought that many times over and I know that that's what happened for my friend last week. You know, she deprioritized herself and forgot her own needs because she was so consumed with the the needs of others that were, you know, so desperate in front of her. But here's the thing. These foundational health habits are just that. They are foundational. They are essential. Sleep is not a self-care add-on. It's not like doing skincare or dry brushing. We need it to survive and to function. And in fact, the physiological and the psychological changes kick in after just one night of poor sleep or no sleep at all. And they get progressively worse as the days go by. It's quite scary. The significant impact on our bodies and minds are one of the reasons why historically sleep deprivation has been used as a form of torture in war and interrogations. So it is no joke. It has some really, really serious effects. And when it comes to how it affects endometriosis, it's pretty profound. Lack of sleep increases inflammation, which further fuels pain with endometriosis, potentially 
even progression if we consider how inflammatory chemicals are at the center of endometriosis growth. But look, I don't have the evidence for that. I've, I don't actually know if there's any research on the way that sleep deprivation might affect endo in terms of progression. But, you know, I think it's, if we're continuously raising inflammation in our bodies, it's not going to help. Anyway, if that wasn't enough, lack of sleep increases our sensitivity to pain and lowers our brain's natural pain relieving chemicals. Sleep deprivation also worsens negative thought patterns and feelings of depression and anxiety, but it can also trigger the onset of these conditions as well. And additionally, a bad night's sleep causes insulin resistance, which sets the stage for blood sugar imbalances and hormone dysfunction as a result. When you're trying to keep endo at bay, you need all of these things on your side. Blood sugar and hormones have a profound effect on the development and symptoms of the disease. People with endo are at a higher risk of developing depression and anxiety or already suffer from it. Many of us are battling pain and fatigue on a daily basis, so we certainly don't want to worsen that. Now, if this is freaking you out because you can't sleep much generally or you have painsomnia, I've been there and I am so sorry for you, for what you're going through. There are methods to improve our sleep with endo. Um, that's not what this episode is for, but I've linked to some of my articles and my podcast episodes on the subject. And I actually have a whole module dedicated to it in my Live and Thrive with Endo courses, though they're not currently running right now. I'm just, I'm just letting you know. But back to my point. It's going to be much harder to think clearly about the conflict and to take proactive steps when you're being affected by the negative impact of sleep deprivation or your blood sugar is dipping because you skipped meals or you're comforting yourself with a load of refined carbs so now you feel like crap. The situation is awful. It's awful. There is just no getting away from that. But if your physical health starts to worsen, you're going to feel even worse about the situation than you already do. And your mental health is really going to suffer because you literally do not have the physical or mental resilience to allow your body to cope with the stress of it. And I, I'm not being hypothetical here. I'm not kind of um, being like woo-woo, like, oh, you're not going to have the energy. Like, no, the changes in your body that will occur from driving yourself into the ground with worry will literally leave you with a weakened stress response and an immune system and a lack of the right neurotransmitters, nutrients and resources to think clearly and in a way that is helpful to the situation. I know some of you listening are thinking, but that's what people are going through right now. People are in these horrific conditions, existing in a state of trauma and they don't have access to their basic needs. So why should I prioritize myself here? Because the healthier you are, both mentally and physically, the better you are able to serve others. Listen, I have been in this kind of situation many times. I often am with my work. Every week I hear stories from clients that break my heart and I want to stay up all night dedicated to their case and trying to resolve everything as soon as I possibly can. And trust me, I've done that on many occasions and it's a constant daily battle to factor in my own health and self-care and basic needs in my line of work because it would be just so easy to go, go, go. But I am sharing this topic because I know this challenge and I know it very well. 
And as someone who has spent years working in services that support vulnerable people, like people with endometriosis or homelessness or domestic violence, I know the impact of not looking after myself because I'm trying to rescue everyone. It doesn't work out. You become worse at your job. You become negative. You can't see solutions or a way out. You lose hope. You spiral. And eventually you shut down. It's actually known as compassion fatigue. And it's a very real thing. Compassion fatigue causes physical symptoms, including sleep problems, anxiety, exhaustion, and many others. And mentally, people can experience apathy, relationship problems, and an inability to cope anymore with other people's trauma, pain, or suffering. So to wrap up this section, I'm pretty sure in times of personal stress or world stress, so for example, the witnessing of war or COVID, there will be some endo management strategies that go out the window. There just will be. Perhaps you forget your supplements or you get out of a routine with your physio stretches, you know, whatever it is. But if you can, to the best of your ability, without beating yourself up about it for like not doing it perfectly, keep some degree of your basic needs in place. You'll be helping yourself and others in the long run. I promise you. And in terms of those extra add-on tools that you, you may use on a daily basis, if you can, try to hold on to some of the ones that you find the most effective and that, you know, without them, your endo symptoms tend to return um, or worsen. So, for example, uh, for me, I really need certain supplements to keep my MCAS symptoms at bay. But there are other things like lymph drainage massages that they're helpful but they are an extra add-on that won't cause me a huge problem if I stop doing them like for a while. Does that make sense? Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. Now let's move on to my next strategy, and that's to create boundaries. I'm going to be honest with you here. I hate boundaries. I have a really hard time with them. When I worked with Hamlet. When I worked with homeless young people, I was ready to adopt them all. And I don't want children. So that's telling you something. Now, obviously, look, I know there's a million reasons why that would not be okay. And, you know, in that situation, we had staff, young people, relationship boundaries and ethics and all of that, which I adhered to. But I struggled with it. I understand why boundaries are needed, why they're healthy and why they're important. I'm trained in them in my coaching. I find them challenging. And yet, in scenarios like this, we need to have them to maintain our health and well being. It is all too easy to just leave the news on all day or to just keep refreshing Twitter. I don't think it's called that anymore, but I have, I don't know. I'm not on Twitter. Uh, or to keep checking the news outlets to stay informed and updated. We can tell ourselves it's so we stay educated, but to what end? What will staying up to date with every single change as it happens and occurs achieve? 
the stress response. That's what it will achieve. Heightened cortisol and adrenaline, resources driven away from non-essential functions like ovulation and digestion, and so on. If levels stay continuously elevated, inflammation rises and immunity weakens. And of course, we end up with a compassion and fatigue scenario I explained earlier, or worsening endo symptoms, or both. I'm not saying don't stay informed. I'm just saying choose your exposure and when you consume, consume wisely and put limits on it. You'll still get all of the updates and information, whether you tune in real time as something happens, or whether you tune in during the evening news later today. If there's something you want to understand or research further, you could then maybe dedicate some time to that. But give yourself a limit on that so that you don't spiral and so that you can make room for your human needs of getting to bed on time, of eating dinner, etc. So, for example, if you're someone who deals with anxiety and depression and you know your pain is particularly triggered by stress, then waking up, picking up your phone and checking Twitter for news updates is probably not the best move. That repeated exposure, if you did that daily, will eventually lead to excessively elevated cortisol and adrenaline in the mornings when you wake up, and eventually your body will have to adapt to protect you from the effects of this, and the opposite thing will happen. Your cortisol will become blunted, and you will feel exhausted all the time, and you may even have what's called a flipped curve, where it's blunted all the time, but it's high at night, so then you can't sleep. But the process to that stage varies from person to person. In some, it can take years for that to happen. In others, it can take weeks. And in the interim, when those levels are still high, you're going to feel scattered, jittery, wired, unable to think clearly, and on high alert. It's really not a nice place to operate from, and it's not a very effective place to operate from either. So perhaps instead, you wait until lunch to check Twitter or the news, And then you follow that up with a walk to help you de-stress and process the latest updates. Or perhaps you keep a day precious where you don't check in on the news and you just focus on trying to take some space to allow yourself to come down from the anxiety and trauma of the week's new tragedies. You give yourself that time to restock and recharge and look after yourself so that you can move into the next week with some new energy. Now, of course, if you work in humanitarian services or you're a war correspondent or something like that, I totally understand that this is probably a very frustrating podcast and you're yelling at me that it's your job to stay informed with every update in real time. And I accept that and a lot of this won't be relevant to you, though I do hope that there are some boundary practices instilled in your workplace or you can at least make even a small amount of room for some basic needs. But for many of us, that's not the reality. For many of us, consuming the news every hour is not going to allow us to make change. Yes, we'll be informed, but for the most part, it will be passive. We won't be taking immediate action on the new information that we have. And that leads me to my next point. Take action in what way you can, but also understand and acknowledge your limits. I think there is enormous pressure right now to post on social media and let people know your political views and where you stand with the Israel-Palestine war. And I'm personally, and remember, I'm not an expert on any of this, but I'm personally, I'm not sure that it's very helpful. And I'm not sure, like, I could be wrong. I'm I'm saying, I I don't know, but I, I have my doubts that it's helpful. 
what we're getting is a lot of polarizing opinions that are sometimes uninformed and in worst case is anti-Muslim or anti-Semitic. And the action of posting on social media is not always that proactive or helpful. I feel like the pressure to post and respond to the new updates and changes that are occurring has the potential to do three things. And I'm not saying it always does, but I'm just saying it has a potential. And that's to burn us out, cause more divide and confusion and hate, and finally make us feel like we're taking action and doing something when in actual fact, we're not making much traction, but we are wearing ourselves out. Of course, there are some people who it is genuinely helpful when they post. Perhaps they have a background in politics or something particularly relevant, so they can offer insight or a perspective that helps us to understand or see the situation in a new or better light or ways we can help. But for others, it may just, you know, for others that are posting, it may just be exhausting to keep trying to post every time a new thing happens and to let the world know where we stand on it. I'm not saying you're wrong if if you've posted. Absolutely not. And I'm not saying silence is the answer either. I'm just saying I think it's, I think there are times when it's perhaps hurting yourself further or maybe adding to some of the confusion, especially if you're posting from a place of panic and you just need to get something out there to kind of say that where you stand. I'm not saying your post did that. I'm just saying generally, I think it's worth considering. And I think it's worth considering where are we putting our energy when it comes to these conflicts and humanitarian crises. And so one of the things I've been sitting with is thinking about what I can do personally to make a difference, even if it is just a tiny difference. And what can I do that actually relates to what I know and my skills and my capabilities? Because I'm not a politician or a war correspondent or a humanitarian or an activist. I'm not the right person to be shouting my mouth off on Instagram about my opinion right now. I am well aware that there are other people who can do that and who can do it really well and actually do some good through that. But I don't think I'm the right person to do that. So what can I do? Well, I can, of course, donate. But sometimes that can feel meaningless or like a drop in the ocean, right? So I started looking into charities who have specifically mentioned that they are providing menstrual products and pain relief. To me, whenever something like this happens in the world, I think about the thousands of menstruators, many of whom have endo, when you consider the stats, right? It's such a prevalent disease, who are dealing with intense trauma, the loss of their homes, their family, access to healthcare, and it may all be happening on their period or in the midst of an endo flare. Now, I care about everyone, not just people who menstruate, but I know endo and I know periods. And so I am the right person to think, okay, there are going to be many people who need painkillers and period pads. What can I do to help those things get to them? I'm sure there will be other people who have never had that thought. It hadn't even occurred to them because they don't have periods or their periods are easy. Maybe their parents and their instant kind of um, reaction or concern is the children being affected. And maybe they think of things that I would never think of. And that's perhaps what they can do. Find a children's charity they trust and support them or get involved with them somehow. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't find a heap of charities who are directly acting on this. 
There are many period poverty type charities donating to refugees, which is fantastic. But of course, aid isn't getting to the people who need it right now. So perhaps that's why I was struggling to find too many. But what I have done is I've put links to any charities who focus on period poverty or who have mentioned that donations will be in part going to menstrual products for those who need it right now. And another way I have taken action in the past, um, in case this is help, in case any of you have businesses, is to use my free resources as a way of raising funds. So I added an optional donation to one of my free downloads. Now, I have no idea what your skill set is or what your experience is or what your position or what position you are in right now, health-wise or financially. You may have just enough to survive, and so donating is not an option for you. And I really do not want you beating yourself up over that. Additionally, if you're just too sick right now to even contemplate taking some sort of action, please give yourself grace. Sadly, I'm sure there will be other humanitarian crises or wars in the future, and perhaps then you will have the energy and the resources to do more. Maybe right now, all you can do is be kind and compassionate and to not spread further anti-Semitic or anti-Muslim messaging on the internet. I think when there are hashtags surfacing, like Hitler was right and death to Muslims, and these hashtags are literally being used thousands of times, even just a small act of kindness to those being affected by these hate messages can make a significant difference. But consider your limits, both physically and mentally, yes, but also within what your skill set is and your expertise. Because when we recognize our limits, we can recognize our strengths and what we can actually do to make a difference in a way that doesn't exhaust us, doesn't stretch us thin, and doesn't cause more harm. Okay, so that's it. I deeply hope this episode was helpful in some capacity. If you are someone affected by the Israel and Palestine conflict, whether directly or indirectly, my heart is with you and it goes out to you. Okay, I will see you guys next week. So if you found this episode helpful and you want to learn more about living well with endo or you'd like some further help, I wanted to remind you of the resources I have available to you and how you can work with me if you'd like to. So I obviously have hundreds of these episodes for you to binge on. And I do have two free columns. So one on endometriosis net and one on endometriosis news. And there are countless articles on there to help you thrive. You can also sign up to my newsletter for tips and updates. I have a digital cookbook and nutrition guide, This Endo Life, It Starts With Breakfast, which you can download for just $9.99. And if you want to go that step further, I have short and budget-friendly masterclasses in nutrition, surgery prep and recovery, and natural pain relief. I also have a DIY course, Live and Thrive with Endo, The Foundations, which you can sign up to at any time at a really affordable price point and you have lifetime access to. So you can go at your own pace and literally look back at it years down the line. This four module course will provide you with the most effective yet easy to digest tools and strategies to reduce your pain, fatigue, endo belly, brain fog and hormonal symptoms and allow you to live your life again. Each lesson includes the core foundational needle movers that I have seen work for my clients time and time and time again. You get all the essential information that you need to be endo without the overwhelm.
Finally, you can apply to work with me one-to-one. This is my most advanced and personalized offer, so I only take a handful of clients. To find out the details and the application process, head to my coaching page. The links to all of these resources and ways to work with me are in the show notes. And finally, to help others find this podcast and reach as many people with endo as possible, please leave a review and please share with your friends and family and subscribe. Thank you.